Mings is already being closed on by, by Armstrong at that stage. And he can see that Armstrong's just going to keep darting. They, they could all do something slightly clever, or they could all just hurry the fuck up. <laughs> because let's, let's not forget, we all know what's going to happen anyway. It's getting fucking lumped up the pitch, so just lump it up the fucking pitch. Tim Sherwood here, you're listening to the Villa Podcast. Friday night win, first clean sheet of the season, Jacob Ramsey winner, second win of the campaign, our first win in five games. Thank God Southampton are so shit, eh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all that all that, that I just mentioned there wasn't coming if Southampton weren't so terrible and they really were bad. I mean, that, that's a bad result for Southampton because I don't think we did much really to, to be raving about here. I mean, it's a win backs up a good performance and a decent result against City but I don't think there was much to shout home about like it, it's it's not that it wasn't convincing because like, the Alpine Klopp's side are the most unconvincing team that we've met so far and we've played Frank Lampard's Everton but uh-huh. it's, it's sort of come away from this game going hmm <laughs> that's the best way I can put it hmm <laughs> Yeah, like I'm fucking delighted that we won. I'm fucking delighted that in in two games against the best team in Europe and the best under twenty one team on the south coast that we've come away with four points. But that was one of the lowest quality games of football I've ever seen, and I'm not prone to hyperbole, Connor. Like both teams were absolutely clueless. You know that that thought experiment: a thousand monkeys at a thousand typewriters for a thousand years would produce. One of Shakespeare's sonnets. Like, absolute nonsense and terrible understanding of probability. But what those foes and monkeys might actually give you is fucking Ralph Hassenhuddle and Stephen Gerrard's game plans for this evening. Just <laughs> absolute garbled nonsense. And there was a moment in 35 minutes after the atrocious set piece that I'm sure you're going to want to talk about that we've all gone all in and now. Like, like Austin McPhee has really run out of ideas. He's handed his fucking iPad to his dog. Like swinging the ball in from the halfway line across the pitch to the corner oh. of the box or the opposite fullback. Wow. Like it's, it's like he's handed his iPad to fucking Sean Dyche's dog. But anyway, <laughs> after that obviously didn't work, the ball comes out to McGinn. And instead of just passing the ball to Dinya, instead of having a look inside, he goes back to Konza, who has no more space and no more options than McGinn does or that Dinya had. And so he goes back to Martinez because Southampton are now pushing up. Martinez stands on the ball for fucking 10 seconds. And you're thinking, right, Jesus, it's Friday, lads. Like, is, it, is, this, is this what I do on a Friday night now? Watch Martinez stand with a ball under his fucking foot. And you're hoping, oh, like maybe we're getting set. But of course, we're not getting set. Ramsey and Kamara, McGinn, continue all come deep because he's standing on the ball for so fucking long. And they're all in space. And he just fucking lumps it. <laughs> it's so interesting that you mention this because I feel like he was waiting for us to get set because he, he waited and waited until Tyrone Mings comes jogging back from that set piece. He, he He's out of the left centre-back position and Martinez doesn't feel comfortable yet until Mings is there. And then when Mings gets there, he just fucking launches it. <laughs> like I never thought I would miss a pointless pass to Mings from Martinez. <laughs> but here we are. This is the thing he just launched. Maybe you're right. Maybe, like, what am I thinking? 
It's like this is all the experience that we have. We like to have Watkins completely isolated from anybody else whenever we try to launch it to him. Maybe that was the set play. Get our fucking midfielders or wide players or all our forwards out of there and then launch the ball 80 yards up the pitch. It's fucking diabolical. Yeah. Ah, like the, and the poor, the poor fuckers at Villa Park, they're, they're just crying out for anything to get excited about. Like so much so that talking about Mings there like how disappointed it was to see Mings coming back because he looked like our best attacker at stages there and there was a ball bouncing out about 30 yards out and you could hear everyone shouting shoot they just wanted <laughs> they wanted our centre half to just wrap his laces through it and see what would happen because nothing else was happening and that set piece that you're talking about that is something that we're working on yeah. it's it, it, it's a few times now we've tried this routine we got a free kick at the halfway line and they lump it high to the corner of the box and it's like someone's trying to put pressure on the opposition player that they'll push them under the ball so it'll bounce out to our fullback at the other side. Like, it can't be that hard to find our fullback at on the wing. Like, the, the team will let you do that. Like, you will find your fullback on the wing if you want. We don't have to come up with this elaborate launch-it routine that hopes that it bounces out to them. <laughs> yeah, you can also do it from fucking general play. You don't have to wait until you've got a fucking set piece 60 yards from your own goal. <laughs> nonsense <laughs> well there was only one goal um not much by way of talking points like we'll get into some more of the tactical decisions some of the changes um and how there's some awards obviously later on in the podcast but there was only one real talking point that and that was jacob ramsey's goal and it's always lovely when jacob ramsey scores especially when he scores a winner um comes from continue cross with a short corner worked I think this is a good Watkins header because he's stretching to get it and he gets a lot of power onto it. I th- <laughs> Bazunu saves it and my initial reaction was, ah, this is perfect for me and you because we've gone all in on saying Bazunu could be world class if he wants and there he is making a save but we still score so we're happy either way. Like Bazunu's made a save and Villa still score. <laughs> I'm looking at it again thinking, I, 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 the stream, I'm out in Spain. Like, this is what I'm doing my Friday nights, watching Aston Villa do nothing out in Spain. Like, you know, another romantic trip away, and the girlfriend's sent to bed, and I'm watching Villa. And uh, Shay Given on the stream I'm watching is saying that he should have just tipped it over the bar. And looking at it again, maybe he should have. Maybe he got too strong a hand on it, but it's a very much a reaction save. I thought that it's a good header from Watkins. Comes down, hits off the bar initially from the save, and uh, Jacob second ball, Ramsey. There he is, following up again, always in the right place, and he bangs it in off the crossbar. Yeah, I like the fact that he tried to go for the whole... Uh, he's, he's had a two-well. He's had a two-well with his wrist. <laughs> it's it's really poor, technically, from your man, Bazunu. Our man. It's a really good header, but Southampton are a mess. Like they're, They get unlucky with it hitting off the crossbar, but it's it's not good enough from Bazunu, and then when it hits the crossbar... It's definitely not good enough for Salisu as well. He's panicking. Maybe not that on. You know, maybe, maybe it's not that confusing why he was panicking. The ball's in a six-yard box, but he's jumping out of the header for no real reason. And then Jacob Ramsey intentionally smashes it off the underside of the crossbar to get it as <laughs> far away from Bazuni as possible. Really clever from our man, JJ. <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd be happy because some of the chances that we're going to be talking about in the Rossenthal Award... They did, like, you know, genuinely, they did start with Jacob Ramsey winning the ball high in the opposition half. Like, as somebody pointed out on Twitter, like, you know, Jurgen Klopp would be proud of that. Like, Klopp's always talking about pressing and how it just changes the momentum of everything and gives your team belief. And Ramsey, with two tackles of pure conviction, deep in Southampton territory, wins the ball back twice. It led to the Coutinho header, which led to the goal. 
like I don't want to step on the Rossenthal award, but it also led to a Bailey chance as well. And yeah, it was another good day for Ramsey. And I will talk about the decision they withdraw him <laughs> early from the game. But uh, I he's, he's coming, he's coming along nicely, isn't he? Uh, he had he had a good game. Uh, if there wasn't all our more obvious options to be taken off at that stage, he wouldn't have been that annoyed with Jacob Ramsey being brought off because he did. He was dying a little bit, but he still looked like our best friend. He still looked like the person who was willing to carry the ball the most, like he nearly always does. Yeah. Well, let's do some WhatsApp wins before we go and talk about the changes in the team for this game. Uh, yeah, we'll see you there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A few fines to hand out before we get started here. Uh, Ollie Watkins... Thought he had a great game tonight. One bad touch, which everybody jumps on him for then. But my God, like you just touched on how how isolated he was. And fucking, I've never seen somebody who makes so much of so little. But um, it's, it's like that that's just one of the games there where I just fall in love with Ollie Watkins. And that puts enough credit in the bank for the next 12 games for me. Because he just, like everything comes towards him. He, he makes a hunt of and he brings people into the game. Even though nobody is beside him. Nobody's playing the same game as him. That's a long-winded way of saying he's getting fined a week's wages uh, <laughs> for fouling the defender who was trying to clear the ball. Just, you know, come on. We've talked about this before. The defender's going nowhere. All he's going to do is hoof it. You do not need to foul him. Yeah, yeah. A, tr- a really, really irritating part of everybody's game, but it just seems to be a part of the sport of football that nobody has figured out yet not to do. If someone's lumping the ball up the field, let them lump it up the field. <laughs> uh, we already mentioned... Martinez and Mings here, so week's wages here for this combination, which we've seen all too often. Martinez to Mings to Martinez, block down. <laughs> Who's like, is everybody getting fined there? Austin McPhee, Gerard, is, is Mings culpable for giving it back to Martinez? Uh, that, that really summed up the way we were playing as well, because it was all so slow as well. And Mings is already being closed on by, by Armstrong at that stage. And he can see that Armstrong's just going to keep darting. They could, they could all do something slightly clever, or they could all just hurry the fuck up. <laughs> because 
let's let's not forget. We all know what's going to happen anyway. It's getting fucking lumped up the pitch. So just lump it up the fucking pitch. <laughs> yeah, just fucking lump it and be done with it. Like we know, <laughs> we know what's coming. Um, and then the only other fine is. Ashley Young for trying to slip a 40 yard shot under the fence. Like, I wasn't going to miss that. <laughs> I mean, Ashley Young, another, another good, solid performance. I, I'll tell you what I liked about Ashley Young, and I'm not saying that I preferred him to Matt Cash, but there was just a few different types of passes that were being played. It was like he was seeing different things than what Matt Cash saw, which is generally just sprint to the byline, drill it off someone's ankles. You know, Ashley Young was like, oh, didn't see that pass or like you know, Jacob Ramsey didn't even see a pass that they played at one stage like just just something different from Young yeah the linesman saw that pass from Ashley Young though because it rolled straight out of play blaming JJ <laughs> somebody trying to slip a little blame for JJ into that oh you're not one. blaming JJ are you not well, no because it was shit pass out of play <laughs> but uh, something that Matt Cash does have in his bag as well is just having shots from absolutely preposterous angles but yeah. ordinarily the fans have seen that enough that they wouldn't normally egg him on the same way that they were egging Ashley Young on for that. <laughs> well done for turning up to Villa games all year because it's been a fucking toll. And I'm, I'm, I'm delighted you are doing it. And support is great. Fucking fair play to you as I can do it. But whenever Ashley Young's 45 yards out, don't shout shoot. <laughs> well, it brings us on nicely to the first WhatsApp winch. Jesus, I was actually looking forward to this match. <laughs> What's that? Is that just because the last game was postponed? I'm just missing football. Like what? Are you talking? Sorry, are you talking about the Villa game? <laughs> yes, that's, a, that's how pathetic it was. And I knew, I knew what was going to happen, but I couldn't feel it. Like the the feeling had gone, had subsided. That that Villa feeling, it just the the absence made the heart grow fonder. The Man City game made me somehow kid myself, even though I still know in my head this isn't going to be good. I feel. That is going to be good. And I was looking forward to this match all fucking day. And that's what we got. And the worst about it was then I was watching this match and he just kept cutting to the Forest Fulham match. All action. You know, the amount of goals in that game, the atmosphere looked amazing. Players on both teams grabbing the ball after goals, sprinting back to the halfway line to get it going. And what I'm seeing, because they've minimised the Villa tab now, they're just showing the, the big screen of Forest, Nottingham, Forest and Fulham and it looks fucking amazing. And on the Villa tab, it's just Villa players lying strewn on the ground. I was like, well, yeah, they might as well. Like On another, another era, I would be complaining that they're not showing the Villa match, but they might as well because there's nothing happening. <laughs> yeah, absence made the brain grow foggier. <laughs> Jeff Stelling tweeted, and he said, the Villa v Southampton match must be up there with one of the worst ever Premier League games. And I can't disagree with that really yeah like uh, honestly and I, th- that's what I said at the top of the show it was the, the lowest lowest quality game of football that I can see I mean one thing you say for like some players were running around <laughs> <laughs> the second whatsapp winch are Southampton wasting time at 1-0 down <laughs> 15 minutes to go, 1-0 down, still haven't created a chance, Salisu, has got a throw in, and I'm pretty sure he was wasting time, like obviously Emmy Morton has brought out his shithousery then towards the end, which is not appreciated when you're playing a team this bad, you <laughs> get up and get on with the match, but I am convinced Southampton were happy with this result. 
Yeah, and I was happy to see that it wasn't just Austin Mick. Like, it wasn't just our set piece coach who's a fucking moron. <laughs> Whenever they had Salasu at this, not saying he wandered across the pitch in the second half and just threw one out for a goal kick. <laughs> Oh, how do we do it? The last WhatsApp winch, and the most serious one, to be honest, is is John McGinn trying to play a full game with his torso horizontal? <laughs> Fuck me! Like if he wasn't lying on the ground, he was bent over parallel with the ground the entire match. Like just he's got this weird hunch. He's just developed. He's never had this before. He suddenly looks really laboured. He looks really slow. His decision making looks really slow. It, it, this is the worst thing I could ever say about him it, it looks like Glenn Whelan at times there and he's supposed to be the opposite of that like you know Glenn Whelan you know good pro good lad <laughs> always knew where to stand like, not that he could do much about it when he was standing there but that's the thing like he couldn't he couldn't move his body like that that was the ultimately the limitation that Glenn Whelan had you know, <laughs> some people think it let him down in the end the fact that he couldn't move some people might say, "Yeah, uh, that's a big one." Like he couldn't move his body properly, and like John McGinn has developed this, like in this match anyway. Like it looked like he was—I don't know what it was he was doing. Like he, he, his posture was terrible, and he was folded at the hips for most of the match. It was weird. Yeah, he he flew into three tackles in the first ten minutes, and that had Gerard's best mate lauding him. But Jesus, that didn't last long. And the the stat flashed up with the players that had lost the ball the most during the game, and obviously Bailey was miles ahead. I mean, it was such a comprehensive victory for Bailey. Stepdale probably added to his list of achievements. And and the next player was Ashley Young, driven in large part by the fact that he's primarily trying to pass it to Leon Bailey. And the next player after that then is. John McGinn, our captain and our centre midfielder, and you, like, you don't you don't need the stats to point that out because when he loses the ball, it's it's unbelievably frustrating. Yeah. I mean, it's either an absolute howler, like strip your top off and climb up onto your roof on a full moon, or or he's trying something fucking bonkers that that he's not good enough to pull off and wasn't on and wasn't a good idea anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's, he's trying stuff that if that ball gets to Watkins, like what what do you expect Watkins to do with that? And and he's doing it in the middle of some nice passes of play. Villa sip it like if it's so rare that we're seeing this over the last few months, but like a couple of passes being pinged around there, comes in again, stops, he stops, hunches over the ball, gets horizontal with the ground, and then just tries to scoop it out from the ground, like he's digging it out, and it it goes nowhere. Like it's it's mad that this is crept in but um i'd say another bad day at the office for him and yeah like the, the stream like you're mentioning jamie carragher there the stream i was watching was, was the first time really that I, that I was hearing commentators really noticed that he was the one giving the ball away like obviously the bailey ones probably expected a bit more but <laughs> but john mcginn like was standing out like a sore thumb i say young probably let down by jacob ramsey not being on his toes either <laughs> Yeah, and that's it. Look, we've got some tactics talk and a lot of awards to hand out after this. It's really not that difficult to see how Hassan Huddle loses 9-0 once a season. Anything in the whole game? 
He just said, here's what I've been doing for the last three and a half years of my limited players. What have you got? <laughs> well, better players. Is this a fucking trick question? My heart wants to sing every song it hears. And this man is called the Alpine Clock whenever he was joining Southampton. I mean, he's as far away from Jurgen Klopp as the sound of music is from heavy metal. The hills are alive with the sound of people talking absolute shit. The John Gregory, if I had a gun, I would have shot him, quoted me. <laughs> John McGinn, the post-match interview. If I was watching on television, I would have turned off. Yeah, thanks for that, John. <laughs> Nothing new to add there, but like, you know, if you hadn't known that's what we were going to be served up, you might have fucking told us. As the captain, you know, this is what we don't get from Max the Young. The club captain, I feel like, would have, you know, he, he would have given us a type of warning. I don't feel like he wanted that game to be that bad, but John McGinn seemed very content that it was that bad. Um, I don't know, like we, we seem to go over the same territory. Gerard was saying something similar as well about like, try, trying to be more difficult to beat. And McGinn seemed proud that that's the way it was tonight. The overriding feeling was that Southampton were bad, not the Villa were, you know, in any way really well set up. Yeah, we weren't difficult to beat. <laughs> like, we were not difficult to beat tonight. So, like, you know, that does that's no excuse for how fucking shit we played. Yeah. Like, the, the, the graphic popped up in the first half. It's six, six points in 10 games, hinting at the fact that maybe we're shite. <laughs> and then fucking Steven Gerrard's best mate chimes in with he's making changes because the players haven't been good enough. Yeah. That's Gerrard's fucking job. Gerrard's supposed to make them play well. He's responsible for his players maximizing their potential. The players that Steven Gerrard's best mate said are better than we were, or better than they are as a team. Uh, and at the end of the match, he pipes up with, "It's not like you know, as if as if we needed anybody else to tell us this. It's not been a good game, but the run that they're on, Gerrard won't care. He fucking better care. I think I do. Get, getting three points is always good, but that performance against that opposition." Better be a fucking concern. Ah, yeah. Like, Gerard's. Do- it's funny you talking about Carragher there, and all, all I can hear is not just Carragher, any other opponent, Gerard's standards. Gerard won't accept that. But the thing is, and Gerard's keenly talking about moving up the table, which is what we've heard over the last year now as well, but if, if we do end up just coming, you know, 15th, that, that game, like, these performances do matter a lot more because otherwise what's the fucking point like if we were getting these one nil wins just dogging it out you know, on course for something actually competing in this league then yeah nobody would care because we actually were going towards something but just like if, if we're just going to get five wins in the season then it would be nice to have a couple of nice performances in there as well <laughs> yeah and like we'll not be playing against an under 21 side every week either I mean, like this, this isn't something to build on. Like this is something to be worried about. It's something we got away with and need to completely start again, again. Like yeah. the performance obviously matters because you'll not win many games with performances like that. And look, maybe the players will get confidence from the win, and that'll see us get iteratively better. But if that's the case, like I need to rewire my brain because I wouldn't be gaining any confidence by getting away with one. Yeah, that's, yeah, and that's nine points in eleven games now. 
Like I'm sure Gerard's best mate can do the arithmetic there. <laughs> but like I said, delighted to get the one. <laughs> Let's do the Rosenthal award. Uh, yeah, we're talking about Southampton being bad. They didn't really have much chances. They had the first chance really, and it would have been better if Roman Perrod, the left back, didn't just have an air shot when it sat up for a volley for him. <laughs> he came out to uh, Ward Price, but your hero Ramsey got a nice blocking as well. So that was it really for Southampton. <laughs> and they had one more chance late on. Stupid John McGinn foul because he was hounced over. Ward Price whipped it in free to Stuart Armstrong. He had it wide. He was never going to score really. And then Villa chances continue made Ward Price look like Hans Molman. Like we're talking about... <laughs> <laughs> talking about Glenn Whelan he just went around the other way he didn't have to do anything trickery like he just decided to turn the other way and he was allowed to do that like Ward Price is completely done and um, yeah he blazed over the bar and then the Coutinho header Ramsey wins it back from a I think it was a bad Bailey pass and uh, comes to Ashley Young and he just tries a ball over the top floats the whole way in over the top Coutinho's read it well bounces heads it did <laughs> Do you know what I thought? Do you know what the difference is between Coutinho and Erling Haaland in that situation? Like, you know, (laughs) Haaland and the ball are going into the net. You know, Coutinho just tried a little header. It was never going to go in. Well, it would have been really difficult for Haaland to head that because it would have been about fucking knee height for him. (laughs) But the turn, yeah, Jesus, Hans Bowman's perfect. I mean, it's a a nice little turn, but it's probably forced by the previous touch not being that good. And yeah. yeah. Hands moment in a fucking bowl of custard. It was so slow. It was pathetic. <laughs> the shots, dreadful. And we had to wait 41 minutes for our first actual chance. And I said McGinn passing back to Martinez and Martinez lumping it after everyone had come short. Summed up our footballing identity. But maybe Ashley Young overhitting the cross and our diminutive Brazilian flair player heading the ball into the keeper's ankles from three yards out being our first chance in 41 minutes of... <laughs> I almost said football there. Our first chance in 41 minutes. Maybe that sums us up better. Yeah. Well, this this could have been a WhatsApp win because that bad overhead cross and that header led to a corner, which led to the goal. Mm. (laughs) The only real, the only massive chance that we got, really. And should we not just become a set-piece team then? If Gerrard's so obsessed with being difficult to beat, like why don't we just be difficult to beat and try and get a few set-pieces along the way and then try and work something from there? Because at the minute, fuck me. Well, you must have been watching our set-pieces today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll come back to those. Uh, Douglas Louise just came on. Ramsey wins the ball back again, pokes it back. Douglas Louise, a little outside of the boot ball to the right to, to Leon Bailey. Who goes on his right? Goes on to his right foot instead of coming back in on his left, and he gets a shot across, and it goes out for another corner. Yeah, anything that was pulled more than that shot was my fucking hair. <laughs> I dragged it so badly; it's irritating. Amazing that he turned on to his right foot, yeah. and if that was the only thing he did in the game, he'd be coming out positive. But of course, it wasn't the only thing he did in the game. <laughs> uh, Douglas Louise corner then from then like. And the commentator on the stream that I was watching actually said, and we're going to see this a lot more now as we go forward, if he can score from corners, imagine him taking the free kicks. <laughs> we don't have to imagine, buddy. Like, that's the problem. But, like, yeah, he's, he's brilliant from these fucking corners. But just came up against Bazunu, and he's not going to be caught by this sort of thing. No, he's not. And there was about three or four Aston Villa players fouling in the round. I don't think we're going to get away with it quite as often as we as we might do. I mean... Not every week are you going to have 
Arm or Jordan Pickford, <laughs> easily mistaken with Aaron Ramsdale, acting like Kamara is an immovable boulder in the middle. Do of you the want to know what the amazing thing is? It was Aaron Ramsdale who you're supposed to be talking about. <laughs> it was against Arsenal that he whipped it in, and, <laughs> and Aaron Ramsdale yeah, just caught himself caught underneath Kamara. The second half, I mean, ba- Bailey sends one back in. It, it comes in from the. It goes out to the right, and Bailey just lumps it back in over the top, tries like an Ashley Young. And Watkins gets a really good header across. Mings, Mings ignores the overhead kick. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Is this just a sign that I'm so bored that I want to see something? I want to see somebody try anything fun. And Mings does the right thing, passes it back to Ramsey. And Ramsey's on his left foot, gets blocked. Ah, he probably should do better, to be honest. Yeah, fair play to Bailey for whipping it in first time, for the first time in his career. Because... <laughs> That should happen more regularly when Watkins and Mings are in the box. I mean, it's so rare for anyone else to be in there. Never mind six foot five Tyrone Mings and Watkins and Mings both do brilliantly. I think the only thing Mings did wrong in that game was when he galloped forward and then just never had control of the ball and fell in the space. He did the right thing here, and JJ's better than that. I mean, he hacks at it. He never gets his body set or gets his feet sorted, which is annoying because Mings has taken everything off it for him. JJ could probably have ran around the ball and hit it with his right foot even. Yeah. The only other chance was um, it was when Bazunu went up for the Southampton corner. Buendia clears it. And Ings, halfway line, sideline, left foot. It was always going to be difficult, wasn't it? In fairness to Danny Ings. Yeah, and look, Conan, I'm the first to admit that I've never scored from the halfway line on my bad foot. <laughs> and you can record that. You can release that as well. But <laughs> I also don't think I've ever connected with a ball as badly as that. Yeah, like, it's difficult, but that was fucking dreadful. And if, if that's how bad his left foot is from the halfway line, then don't shoot your left foot from the halfway line. Yeah, There's still loads of time here for a chance to develop. And I think Watkins is inside because like, everyone's running towards Ings because they know what he's going to do. Well, they don't know he's going to do that. They think he's going to have a shot on target. And... They're all going towards him, so just release it into Watkins because Bazuni is miles away from his net. Yeah, McGinn said afterwards that he was inside as well, but like, you know, like let's let's see a bit more from you before you start saying people should be passing <laughs> to you. But the the thing about the Ings, like, he absolutely leathers it, like gets his foot through it, hammers it the outside of his boot, and he was miles wide, and he didn't. He, he was hitting that as if Bazuni was was in goals and he was trying to hit it over him. It was an open net. He just had to caress it and let it... Like He could have hit it 20 yards short and it might have bounced in. Or, like mm. you say, if he thought it was 100% that he's not going to score, then don't do it. But I'm just talking about Tyrone Mings hitting an overhead kick. And I was happy to see Danny Ings try to spank it. Yeah, well, he should have shot, but you're, you're wrong. You had it right there for a second. He probably shouldn't spank it. <laughs> just hit it in with the inside of your foot. <laughs> um, I think the winner... Uh, probably, probably Jacob Ramsey. Ah, yeah, yeah. And the ball's dropped to, to our star boy in the middle of the box. Just to connect better than that. Yeah, Peter Enkelman, what the fuck award? 20 years on, 20 years to the day from Peter Enkelman letting that, that ball go in over his ankles against Birmingham of all teams. I was really just hoping that nobody would try and pay a tribute to him tonight. And it looked like that would be in no danger of happening until... 
we put Douglas Louise back into the number six position, and all sorts of weird stuff happens then when that when, when that does go on. And he tries to pass back to Ashley Young, and it gets cut out very briefly. But it's Southampton, so they're not really that interested. And then he tries to pass to Luca Dean in the 90th minute, but like we're under no pressure, just hold the ball, see this out, and Jesus, he makes him work to get it. And then Dean going back to Mings, and anything could fucking happen there. But um, yeah, that was about it, really. He rifled one back to Tyrone Mings as well. And it like it made it through, but it had to go past a Southampton player. If you had it turned around, there was a Southampton player facing the, the right way as well. I mean, <laughs> if it's just that pass is a good pass if you've got no other option. It's not a good pass if there's a Southampton player standing in between the two of you. And yeah. it's just sometimes when he's in that position, he's just got it in his head that he has to play it the way he's facing. Just fucking have a look around. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Douglas Louise in the ULEC Glen Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award. I mean, Douglas Louise, I feel like he's come off one of his best games in the last year and he gets dropped. What are we doing? Like, Did we not stumble across something? Even Jacob Ramsey looked a bit better with the team. Like, I thought that Gerard Commons after the City match as well was him having a, a realisation, thinking, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe this team needs to be a bit more physical. Maybe we need to be a bit more pragmatic in how we set up. And by the way, we still have all these good players to set up that way as well. Like We're just pushing Jacob Ramsey further forward. And Douglas Louise can play ball. What's it, how do we end up? Like <laughs> I know injury forced it, but how, how 44 minutes later have we ended up, or 41 minutes later have we ended up with Douglas Louise, Ramsey, and McGinn in midfield again? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you said there, had we not stumbled across something against Man City, the more frustrating thing is that we've stumbled across plenty of stuff and it's generally been shit. And the starting formation and the way we ended that year, that had that, those three midfielders on the pitch are two of those things yeah. that have been shit. And he just keeps trying him, he just keeps reverting back to him. I, I was mad that, uh, that he didn't start Douglas Louise. I mean, Douglas Weiss gives us more balance. Everybody knows that. Everybody can see it. Whenever he's playing that number eight or six and a half position, he's a really good player in that position for Aston Villa. Mm. And he just needs to be given more time there. And it's not like there's not players there that he can take out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, in terms of the way we're playing, I've, I've seen people suggest that we need to get the ball into the front three quicker. I mean, like that's the problem that we're doing that. Like Those guys are so isolated, they're, they're so far, like, Bailey's doing his own thing, Coutinho this time was out wide, Watkins is always on his own, and then there's just this big gap Jacob Ramsey's trying to fill, but he never gets to fill it, because everybody is just either, like, John McGinn's trying to spray that pass, Tyrone Mings is trying to hoof that pass, Luca Dean wants to cross it, Ashley Young and Matt Cash want to cross it, Leon Bailey wants to turn on his left and get blocked, everybody <laughs> wants to just hit that final pass straight away from wherever it is, like, and Happy to see Gerard mention that after the game as well. But we've we've talked about this for six months that we're we're too shit or bust. It's always like let's go, let's go, and we're all so stranded. Every player is left to fend for themselves. And Gerard said that they're too panicked, impatient. They're trying to find a final pass too soon, too soon. Like it's like we're trying to get that final pass before the fucking match even starts. Like it's 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 one thing trying a bit of build up, and and sometimes yeah, there is a nice pass on to Watkins down the channel. But after a while, he's just running channels and there's nobody in the box, like you said. Yeah, I mean, we, we've really... We've gone from the the Bournemouth game where we were just holding on to the ball, pointless and afraid of trying anything, back to 
back to all of our worst traits for the last, I would even say, two years where we're just hitting the ball too early and too long to people who are on their own. It's, it's an absolute waste of time. And even when it's not somebody on, on its own, if it's Bailey, it gets the, we get it out to Bailey quickly. Like you said, he's just cutting inside and fucking cutting the grass with his crosses. I mean, he he must have a pathological hatred of daisies. What was he playing at? Why was he skimming every crossing at ankle height? And even if he wasn't doing that, he was still crossing the ball whenever he got it to just Ollie Watkins against three defenders again. Yeah. Like, re- really, really frustrating things like just moving the ball far too quickly in the wrong direction as well. Never having a look around. John McGinn getting on the ball, just playing it backwards. Re- like all rapid, all too quick and not having any thought about what's going on around you on the pitch. <laughs> No, it's not, it's not good. Any Anything else tactically? I mean, I mentioned Ramsey coming off. I, I just didn't like it. I, you've already talked about the like of McGinn could definitely have come off. Just keep Ramsey on a bit longer, really. Yeah, even bringing on Dougie in the number six position, like, you know, surely the Nonker could have come on and played there. I know he hasn't played yet, but it's not like that was that would have been a bad game just to throw him in on on his debut. We were playing against another 21 Southampton team. It's grand. <laughs> Get him in there. And you also, you've got plenty of evidence to suggest that Douglas Louise can play there. So why are you just throwing him in there as well? It's not like we don't know what we're going to get out of the knocker. We do know what we're going to get out of Douglas Louise, and that's a yeah. fucking problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've teed it up the Axel Westwood, oh, he was playing award. What did you make of the Donker's debut? <laughs> I don't want to be unfair on him, and in a way, like, I respect somebody who's coming in just trying to. You know, he's not trying to make fireworks happen. He's just trying to settle in and, and keep everything tidy. But I looked at the average positions, you know, of the players, and he was further behind Ashley Young. I don't think Ashley Young was that attacking. Like he was just sort of mm. occupying this right hand side. Yeah, maybe it maybe it helped the shape to see this game out, which didn't need to be saw out really. <laughs> yeah, the first the first thing he did he was he stretched for a ball, but he looked like somebody who was just starting off in a game of five aside and somebody who's not that interested in being there and also not that fit or good at football <laughs> and I was like Jesus Christ what's going on here is there, is there a reason Wolves will let this guy go as he just finished um, and after that he didn't do anything which I mean was probably for the best given where he started the game Welcome to Aston Villa, Dundogger. Um, you're starting pretty low on the vitamin meter, so that's good news. Are you <laughs> only way is up? But let's go to the vitamin meter because going up, quite obviously, and I know you'll agree, is Ezra Khan's haircut. <laughs> Clean, sharp, just smacked to somebody who's got his act back together. That that was a boy ready for battle, and um, I thought he was brilliant tonight. You still talking about his hair, or? <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying the hair showed off what was to come. Yeah, Ezra Kanza is going up on the vitamin meter definitely. Yeah, no, he was good. He was he was very good. He was very composed on the ball even as well. He turned inside and drove forward with it a couple of times. He was given the opportunity to do that. Or where he had to do it, where we needed a bit of drive and leadership, he did it and defended perfectly against nothing. <laughs> going up. Mings going up, maybe Ramsey for the goal. Uh, going up Watkins for the spirit of Andy Vyman and and just like that was a that was a full hearted performance tonight. That was an Ollie Watkins performance, I would say. Yeah, but Ollie Watkins always gives you an Ollie Watkins performance. The only thing that's ever missing is he 
Like I'm starting to wonder is Ollie Watkins waste too much energy or is his energy wasted for him by the way we play, by the way we play him balls that are pointless. You would like to see him in and around the box a bit more with a bit more zest about him so that he doesn't have to so that he can have that bit more quality. Like that touch he took towards the end, people are annoyed at it and look, they should be annoyed at it. The centre forward's got a ball drilled on him. It's a really, really good pass. One touch should take him in between the two defenders. Maybe, maybe, maybe he didn't have it in his legs at that stage. I don't know. Tyrone Mengs was brilliant as well, and after that, they're all shite. <laughs> Did you see the Ollie Watkins? It just, it just nipped in front of someone. He backs off into them like it was a ball that he wasn't going to win. It looked like a defender was just going to head a clear. He just creates enough space, gets it on his chest, gets it to Buendia. Buendia just runs out of play with it on, on the sideline in front of Gerard as well. So, not doing himself any favors. But I was just like, What, yeah, what was the point of that? Like, that was great from Watkins, but but all he's done really is just you know, give Southampton a throw in. Like, that maybe these are the inches that help Aston Villa beat Southampton 1 0 at home. You know, Ollie Watkins helping us. Give away a throw in 40 yards out. Yeah, he also took a header down brilliantly and late and popped it off to John McGinn. And John McGinn just looked it over the top for him again. He's like, Go! <laughs> <laughs> Going up, the Aston Villa fans for shouting shit for the doggy corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. Gave it away though. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, like as if nobody was going to expect that. <laughs> well, they, they fucking better because it turns out he's going to do it every single time he has a corner. Like. <laughs> ah, but what's the worst that can happen? We just get another corner out of it. <laughs> I think he's, he's tried this three times. He scored two goals and won a corner from the other one. <laughs> keep it going, keep it going. Um, going down. Did it definitely? <laughs> Danny Ings came into my head there for some weird reason, and I don't think that's fair. Danny Ings doesn't deserve to be going down tonight. I have to go down. That that shot was so dreadful. I'm so excited. That game was 92 minutes old, and fucking nothing had happened. And then Danny Ings has the moment to light it up, and he just does that with it. It was dreadful. Yeah, yeah, like that. See, this is the sort of thing. All I wanted, right? I was like, this isn't a good performance. Once again, it's not enjoyable. But if we can do a nice two nil solid home victory against Southampton, backing up a, a draw with City, that would be the sort of thing. I remember the the Office Christmas special where David Brent's saying, "Yeah, what else you got?" <laughs> you know that that would have been me feeling from that then, like you know, sort of nodding, interested, and uh, you know, but we didn't get the two nil. It was just a wasn't even it didn't have to scrap for right it was a shit game they were 1-1-0 but if Danny Ings had to just put the ball in an empty net with his left foot from the halfway line on the sideline then it would have yeah no no that that would have been something worth talking about the rest of the game wouldn't have been something worth talking about you wouldn't have been looking at that game after Danny Ings scoring a freak goal and saying yeah this is good we're going in the right direction now because Danny Ings shanked one in with his left foot from the halfway line because Gavin yeah. Bazunu came up for a corner with five minutes left. Yeah, going down Leon Bailey, any arguments? Absolutely not. I mean, the... <laughs> I've talked about his crossing, his shooting as well. I mean, I don't know how young he thinks Gavin Bazunu is, but why is he rolling the ball towards him? Like, yeah. Have a fucking shot, mate. Nobody's going to give out to you for hitting it too hard. <laughs> and, like, you know, not knowing how to close his blinds or draw his curtains, add that to the long list of issues with Stephen Gerrard. 
he's a multi-millionaire. How does he not have security? <laughs> and look, maybe it's actually, maybe it's actually all the late night prowling with his camera that's impacting Liam Bailey. I mean, it's getting him on the pitch. But is it worth it if he can't actually perform when he's there? <laughs> Go to fucking bed, Liam. Uh, um, going down, John McGinn. I'm going down any, I don't know, Southampton. Like, what is this? Like, what? <laughs> Why are they still worse? Like, why are they still one of the worst teams in the league and still so comfortably seem to stay in the league all the time? What's going on? Maybe Ralph Austin Huddle is a genius, but I don't think it's particularly that genius to have signed a load of young players, a load of people from the Man City Academy. And, and they've made a couple of brilliant signings as well of, of young players. But it's all fucking pointless because we know what happens whenever a Southampton player develops into a good player. They get fucking sold. So this is a bonker strategy for them to develop. They're never going to improve with this because they're just going to sell these brilliant players. Yeah. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Am I the only one who thinks Ted Bowley's onto something with his All-Star games? <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. I mean... Like international football isn't that bad. Like just, just, we just watch those games. I mean, at least there's, at least there's national pride attached to the games, or at least their preparation for a major tournament. Do you think James McLean is going to be doing ninety minutes of ninety yard shuttle runs if he was playing for a League One North All Star team? <laughs> maybe, maybe you could have it instead of the Community Shield, but but then you, we're depriving ourselves of an extra Man City and Liverpool game every season. You see, we don't you see, want this, that either. This is the thing, right? Like, I, I think the thing that's annoyed me, obviously hasn't thought it through, right? I, I think it's just it's just how automatic everybody is in their response, especially the, the English football journalists, you know, the, the proper football men. And, you know, just like, don't want to hear. Basically, this is the tone of the of their responses. They don't want to hear a yank teaching them about their game. Like it's it's, it's xenophobia the way they just knee jerked into. I can't believe this boy's trying to tell us how to run the English game. And even Terry Henry was reacting like that as well on CBS. Just like you know, this is Europe. That's not how Terry Henry played in an All Star game in America. <laughs> this is the point of experience of it, and he seems sick to the stomach. But I think, well, Conan, maybe he should be listening if he played in it and, was, and thought it was a shit idea. Maybe it fucking is. <laughs> I, think, I think, right, it definitely needs thought through. But I would like to ask him a few questions or to talk about it. And I think maybe it's not North and South because I don't know where Aston Villa players go when it's North and South. And you know. Well, like, sorry, that's the other thing to remember. If it's North versus South, don't forget, the game would be fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. No, like, I'm... Imagine dropping Alisson, Thiago, Salah and Jacob Ramsey into the Man City team. <laughs> like, maybe maybe Trent and Van Dijk if they ever decide they want to start playing football again. Like, what would the Southern team be? Chelsea with Kane up top? Like, <laughs> d- d- does Odegaard make the Chelsea team? Who cares? Yeah, so that would definitely it would definitely need some finessing, and maybe it's maybe it's something to do with league position, or you know maybe I see initially I thought maybe cobble together the best of the fourteen outside whoever the top six. And I was like that's a stupid idea. They just they still won't beat any of the top six teams because they're all playing for the weaker fourteen teams. But look, I think it's just an automatic response to it. Like you know, don't want to hear it. Like as if we don't have enough shit games in the calendar, and I think everyone's sort of saying. 
oh, we've got enough fixtures. Like, where the hell are we going to fit that in? We've just postponed the game for for the sake of it. Not, you know, not for the sake of it. We're not going to get into it. But we just postponed the game <laughs> on a whim. And, like, we'll fit it in somewhere. Like, we, we do this all the time. We've postponed other games now this week because there's going to be traffic in London. Like, we just, like and, and they're going to get fitted in. We've got, and I know this is a bigger question then about UEFA, FIFA, Premier League, but we, we've, we've got so much Nations League matches. Like, there's, there's so much stuff on the calendar. And, I mean, they're, they're professional players. Like, we're not saying that they're going to have to go and go through a training camp or whatever. And, and, and I know it's going to be a bit of a mess because they're not going to get to work on systems and they'll be stepping on each other's toes. Part of me thinks that'll be the fun. Just throw together some of the best players and see what happens. Like, you know, like that five-a-side example you're using, just drop them in and see. Maybe maybe do a five-a-side tournament. Maybe that's the way to go. <laughs> Are you telling me you would prefer to see... Both Trent Alexander-Arnold and Kevin De Bruyne whipping balls into Erling Haaland with Salah on one side of him <laughs> over watching Ireland versus Armenia. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying, you, you, first of all, you need to get away from the North East South thing because, yeah, that's going to stop my arguments dead in the tracks. And then I, I just think, yeah, if somebody's saying to you, We've created two hundred million here in the baseball market, in a, in a market that's actually declining as well because they've done it for so long. Nobody gives a fuck about the All Star games anymore. I'm just saying, yeah, maybe maybe we we should listen to it before everybody says get away. You don't tell us how to run our game. Okay, but you haven't told us how to run the All Star game yet without it being shit. Yeah, that's fair. I'll come back to you on that one. <laughs> I'm still calling him Ted Bowley as well. <laughs> So much respect I have for this yank coming over here. Um, yeah, another question we can't answer, but probably will. I mean, have people just started analysing how Villa scored seven goals against Liverpool two seasons ago? <laughs> Is that just happening now? People are saying, like, let's get the DVD of that match to see. Like, oh, yeah, look, we can play a few three balls in behind the fullbacks. It's nothing to do with the opposition, Conan. Liverpool are losing games because of how they're playing. Like people, people talk about their high line and and Trent as being too easy to expose. Like they got to every cup final last season and picked up ninety two points in the league with a high line. Yeah. And I, Trent might be dodgy for Steve Bruce's Newcastle, but he doesn't play for Steve Bruce's Newcastle. He plays for, or at least used to play for, Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. I, mean, I said this two seasons ago as well, and I might even have said it this season, but the. The toil of going through last season and being 15 minutes away from the title before Douglas Louise whipped out a deck chair and decided to watch the dying embers of the season <laughs> and Kevin De Bruyne gallop into our box must have been fucking so draining for them the way they're playing this year. Fucking Van Dyke acting like a diplomat in Japan who's not really sure of the customs or the greetings instead of just tackling Valverde. But like... <laughs> Would Klopp ever try to tighten up for a few games? Probably not. You know, leave it to Salah and Diaz for the first thirty minutes of a game. I, I don't think they need to tighten up. They need to run. Like they need they need they need energy, desire, commitment. They need to win the ball back in the opposition third. Like they need to make sure the ball getting played over the top is shite by strangling the opposition. I mean they're all looking to play solos. But that's not heavy metal, Conan. Who's on the fucking drums? Who's driving this? Yeah. Who's on the base? They need to just bash out 90 minutes of power records for a while. Welcome to Top of the Pops if you're host Roy Keane. But you know what I mean? Like They need to get back to what made Liverpool good if they want to 
<laughs> stop people from playing and buying them. Yeah, yeah. This isn't a jazz fucking set. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is an interesting one because I, I know, right? If I, like, what I'm going to suggest, if if your club did implement stuff like this, I would immediately be saying, "Well, what are they trying to work on? Why are they doing that? Like, is that their plan?" But it, it just looks like it's really lacking a bit of freshness, and this is so quickly after, like what you're saying, it was almost a perfect season, so close to. It. But I'm looking at it being like, should they, should they move Salah to to inside? Should they move him to the left? Like, should they do that when he's being isolated in games? There's sometimes. And I know we scored against Ajax, but I was watching that Ajax match thinking they're sacrificing Salah by pushing him further out wide to make room for Trent Alexander-Arnold to be worse. <laughs> you know, it's like they're, they're, they are rejigging the team in a way, but they've made people worse. And I'm looking at Trent, not really knowing whether he's coming or going. I'm saying, should they be dropping him in the midfield is what I'm thinking. Though. Should, they, should they try something just to mix it up? Should Luis Diaz come into the middle? It just feels like they need a couple of new ideas that excites their imaginations again yeah maybe 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 they could just try something maybe they should just rip up everything that's worked so well for the last five years or maybe they should just relax and start fucking working hard again because that's that's been their biggest problem maybe they should wait for tiago to come back because unsurprisingly the best midfielder in the country was a big loss for liverpool as well like fabinho trent alexander arnold and virgil van dyke need to have a fucking look at themselves as well because they they were disgraceful against Napoli. It was unbelievably bad the way they were playing, and that's a that's a huge part of the problem. It's the fact they're not playing with the same aggression. They're not switched on. You can't get away with that at any level, especially not the fucking Champions League. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know one thing that might work in the Champions League, and that's uh, Emmy Martin is shithousery. And I've got an email here from Matt, so we're on the Villa Podcast at gmail.com if you do want to get in touch on email. And he says, how far can Emmy Martin is really take his shithousery? Uh, <laughs> I'm imagining him calling for a stretcher and hopping off just before it reaches the sideline. I have to say, I do like it. I do like that one. Yeah, like if, if Emmy Martin has felt like a personal injury claim, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, <laughs> If, if he took an opposition player to court for 13 months later just to keep up the pretense, like, would you spit out your drink? I don't think I would. Like, if Emmy Martin is reported Aston Villa to the, to the health and safety executive because of unsafe working conditions to prove he was injured when he threw the ball at a play, I wouldn't bat a fucking eyelid, to be honest. Nothing's beyond this nutcase. <laughs> I do think that's the next step, though, is probably engaging with the referee. A bit more, like, and and I know you get a yellow card, but then he's not going to give you another yellow card that quickly. So I think, I think he will definitely bring this in very quickly. Is just then protesting his innocence for a prolonged period of time with the referee and trying to have a chat with him as this is going along, and the ref probably will be stupid enough to get caught by it. Let's hope so. And that's it. Um, that's it for another Villa game. We got a win, so that's something, and we've got a break now coming up. We'll be back on Thursday. Probably talk about maybe some of Gareth Southgate's selections. A bit of the international, if there's anything good to talk about. Hopefully there's some better stuff than what Aston Villa are serving up at the minute. But look, it's four points from two games, so let's take the positives where we can. We've got a couple of... A couple, I can't even bring myself to say winnable anymore. Like I, I mean, <laughs> 
and I checked myself in my head and thought favorable. I was like, well, it's not. It's just going to be the same boring match. And Leeds fans and Nottingham Forest fans aren't going to be sure what happened either. We're all just going to sit through 90 minutes. That, that will whip by, in fairness. But that's the thing when you're watching football. You don't want it to fly by. Like it's, Once you see 35 minutes on the clock already, it's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, what's, <laughs> what's happened? I haven't even texted anybody you know, about anything that's happened. There's just 35 minutes gone already and there's less than an hour left. Thanks for that. But, um, yeah, anyway, we'll be back on Thursday. <laughs> we'll chat to you then. <laughs> Thanks a million, and please share it on if you get a chance. See you later. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.